1: Hello, and welcome to the Milestone Pursuit podcast. The podcast that brings you a number of things. It brings you increasingly occasional workouts. It brings you recovery rambles where I jog around the now quite soggy epping forest and talk about something that's on my mind. And it brings you conversations with the elite athletes that we invest in as part of our scheme to invest in underfunded British elite marathon runners. And today, episode number 106, on Friday the 11th of November, that's what we've got. We've got some chats with the elites and actually this is the first of a four-part mini-series. In a bit dramatic a little mini-series and across the next four episodes we're going to be talking to the elites about how hard marathons are but more specifically how hard it is being a marathoner. So we're going to talk to Natasha and we're going to do that today. We're going to talk about the Commonwealth Games and how illness impacted upon her performance we're going to talk next time to Josh about the world championships and how injury impacted on him we're then going to talk to Charlotte Purgey about her world championship experience and then finally the fourth part of our mini series we're going to talk to Tish Jones and we're going to talk to her about long term injury and how to cope and how to get back And this really is in the backdrop of 2022 being a a big year for championship marathoning for elite marathoners with the World Championships, the Commonwealth Games, the European Championships, plus all the majors, of course, culminating in New York just last weekend. So a lot going on for an elite marathoner. So big year with big goals. And in the case of our athletes, the ones we invest in. Big disappointments. And that's the marathon really, isn't it? You train for months, you train for years, you work really hard, you make lots of sacrifices and then on the day, it can all go wrong based on something out of your control or something that you weren't aware of. The great classic is the weather when the weather impacts upon our performance, it can be very frustrating. But so can illness and injury, as we will hear throughout the four part mini series. The marathon is also is the marathon is also an exposing and vulnerable place and event. Because it is Largely about the time, isn't it? Especially road marathons And we can tie our self-worth to it Tie our self-worth to our time But that's dangerous And the reality is That for most of us No one else really cares apart from us And it can be dangerous to tie our self-worth to that I think it's probably healthier to tie your self-worth to the process rather than the outcome, to so think about what you've learned through the course of both the race and the training, how you've developed as an athlete and as a person, and tie yourself, tie your self worth to those things. If you're going to tie your self worth to anything in relation to your running rather than tying your self worth to the outcome a time but that's easier said than done isn't it especially when we invest so much effort and energy and especially when people if you find if they find out you've run a marathon the first thing they do is ask you what your time was even though they don't really care 252 253 255 258 it all sounds the same to most people but to you it might really matter but should it is the question that I would ask but that's for another day but that idea of tying your self-worth to your time is especially hard for the elite athletes and for professional athletes now they have their own self-worth to think about within that context but they also have to think about what their times represent to selectors and to sponsors so their Ability to run fast times becomes important, perhaps beyond self-worth, and I think it's hard for elite athletes to admit to their struggles. And there's, as you'll see, through the four-part mini-series, there's an element of denial that goes on. And I don't even think it's sort of blanket denial. I think it's conscious denial. They won't put any struggles, anything that's going against them out of their minds. Because running, running marathons, running marathons fast is what they do. And in that sense, to that extent, it's important to both their reputation and their performance that they're positive. And so cutting out negative thoughts is kind of an essential really. But it can't all be positive. We live our lives in a balanced way. We swing from up through balance to down on that sort of pendulum or that seesaw, if you like. And there are dark moments, as there are for anyone. Even if they don't recognize them now, there's dark moments in there. But what they do, and they're very good at doing this, is they reframe the negatives. Into positives over time, and that's what you'll hear over and over. I think through the four, through the through, through the four parts, and that's what resilience is, or part of what resilience is. Anyway, it's got that ability to find positives from negative situations to build and learn, grow and develop. And resilience, of course, is important to all of us in our work and in our lives, and elite athletes are no different. They need that resilience to be able to go again. And it seems to me that each race, each training block, both for elites and for everybody else, is, is an opportunity to do that. It's an opportunity to learn and to grow and develop, both as an athlete and as a person, irrespective of the outcome. And that's just one of the reasons why running is brilliant. And while marathon running is hard, it is also brilliant. But that's enough. Enough for me. We'll start with Natasha and we'll see what she's got to say about the Commonwealth Games. So, Natasha, the last time we spoke to you on the podcast was before the Commonwealth Games, which seems like a million miles away now. So it's in July. And it didn't go so well, did it? Do you want to tell us what happened and how things have been going for you since? Just give us a bit of an update.
0: Yeah, it definitely seems like a lifetime ago now. But yeah, obviously it didn't go to plan. I was hoping for a medal. Training was going really well. Probably the best marathon build up I've ever had. Um, And then obviously race day just went completely not how we planned it. Didn't really know until I I think... Perhaps when I was warming up, I was like, "Oh, something's not quite right, but pushed it to the back of my mind because what can you do when you're already there? It's race day um so I think I'm quite good at doing that, just pushing things to the back of my mind and like staying composed and first half of the race, I didn't feel great, but I kept to the plans kept in there with the main pack, and then yeah, it just hit me really hard that something wasn't right and slowly dropped off the pace, and it, it was more of a struggle to finish rather than aim to get that medal that I was previously aiming for um but I mean at the end of the day I was almost like proud of myself for finishing which is never something that anyone wants to aim for just to finish but that is that is what it came to in the end
1: yeah I mean and that pride of finishing is important I think and lots of people will will do that as they'll push themselves on even though they're not feeling great because finishing a marathon any marathon is is difficult and is a is a big achievement, frankly. And in your case, it was the Commonwealth Games. You were competing for Wales. It was something important to you, wasn't it? The whole event.
0: Yeah, and I think that's what pushed me through to the end because I knew that my time was really slow. I knew it wasn't a good performance. wasn't the performance that I'd been training for. But the amount of Welsh support out on the course as well, like the Welsh flags were... They just line the streets, So I think for that reason alone, I just felt like I needed to finish that race just for them. Um, In the back of my mind, I was like, well, what's the point? It's going to be a terrible race. I'm nowhere near the position that I wanted, nowhere near the time I wanted. But yeah, I just wanted to finish for them. I didn't want to be that athlete that put all that in for the Commonwealth Games. It was a race I've always wanted to do and represent my country and then not even finish it. So yeah, Yeah. I'm glad I finished. (laughs)
1: but it was just suboptimal. And just for context, I mean, you ran 240. So it's still fast by most people's measures. And you came 12th. But it's not what you want, like you say, it's not what you went for. And it wasn't a particularly fast race either, was it? So you you would have been, you know, a few minutes quicker, you'd have pushed yourself right up the field, wouldn't you?
0: Yeah, it was never going to be a fast race, because being a championship race, and obviously, the course was incredibly hilly. So it was always going to be a slower race. But I think, the fact that I was probably in PB shape I think we were training around 226 kind of shape on a good course and I was aiming for a medal so I was a long way off of both so yeah
1: yeah and I think that's the interesting context a so lot of people would think 240 225 230 that's not a big difference but the reality is when they're running at the pace you're running at five and a half minute miles or slightly slower than that you that's a big difference you know it is, it is quite a big dramatic shift in your perspective of your outcome as well as obviously the pace that you're running and obviously like you say you're on plan for the first half as well when you say so, then to fall off meant that you were running particularly slowly at the end which is never a great feeling
0: yeah I mean I, w- I was on pace for the first half but at the same time that first half was a lot harder than it should have been like I knew Going through those first few miles, something wasn't quite right, um, and I tried to take on extra fuel to like help with that, but yeah, nothing, nothing was helping.
1: So tell me about what what was actually happening and what how did you feel at the start? So I know you said you felt a bit off at the start. We was it that you were a bit out of more out of breath than you'd expect to be, a bit more tired than you'd expect to be. What was going on?
0: Um, so it was really odd. Warming up, like my body in general felt great, but I felt tired as in like i could fall asleep tired which just isn't it's not normal for a big race like you've got the adrenaline going and you're really pumped for this race like you shouldn't be feeling like that like half an hour before the start of a big commonwealth game so i kind of knew from that point so it wasn't right but i did completely ignore it i think i did a really good job at putting that to the side because i didn't let that impact me like going into the race at all i just yeah kind of thought maybe this is just how i'm gonna feel today but once the race starts i'll be okay um but yeah as the race progressed it was hard work going with the pace that should have felt easy for me Um, and then halfway here i just went really cold i couldn't warm up it wasn't a cold day at all um i just went cold to the point i had goosebumps and then the whole rest of the race i was just absolutely freezing
1: Hmm. So they must have been quite worried when you finished, it, and did you at that point think to yourself, "I've got no idea what's happened here," or did you have an idea that therefore you you must be ill?
0: Yeah, I had no idea really because I didn't feel ill as such. It was just I was cold, and I didn't really have the energy that I would normally have during a race. And obviously, training went really well, so I should have been able to race a lot faster than that. So it was a really strange feeling because I didn't really consider myself as ill because it was just a feeling of coldness and fatigue well not even fatigue just I couldn't hit the paces I wanted to hit so yeah it wasn't till about three or four days after that I tested positive for COVID and it kind of made more sense then but at the same time I tested negative on race day so it's still a bit like did I have COVID on race day we don't know we'll never know Mm -hmm. um but I did have it three days later so i put it down to that i don't know if that's just me trying to be optimistic but yeah that's that's what we put it down to
1: I, I often find myself talking to people post a marathon and and saying to them you know particularly if they performed under expectation their own expectation or indeed mine or ours you know and think if if you're off there is usually a reason for it i mean pacing is obviously one uh, fueling is another but if you get those things right if you, and you underperform there is almost always another factor and you don't it doesn't always emerge it doesn't always emerge immediately or sometimes at all but there is almost always a physiological thing going on and there's no doubt if you'd had covid three or four days later that that was in the system it was brewing wasn't it and getting you ready and you probably accelerated it's kind of taking hold of you a little bit through the race but i'm sure that was the factor
0: yeah exactly and i think i know that my training went well previously so i know that i was in shape that I thought I was in, it was just unfortunate on race day that that didn't come together so I mean looking back now now that we're quite a few months on I can see that and it's just a case of knowing that I can get back to that shape and I will do it eventually.
1: Yeah and it doesn't reflect on you as an athlete that that performance doesn't reflect the quality of you and everybody knows that you've run 10 minutes quicker than you ran in Birmingham so we know that's the case. But how what happened afterwards? So obviously you had COVID. How how did it hit you? Uh
0: Yeah, pretty hard. I was wiped out for a good, good couple of weeks. And then it took me, I reckon, nine weeks probably to get back into some sort of decent mileage and decent training. Um, it was really odd. My partner had it at the same time as me and he was back into training the week after having it. And then I was still struggling like six, seven weeks after. Um, mm. So I think it just shows that it hits everyone so differently. Mm. Um, it's the same same illness, but everyone just reacts so differently.
1: Well, and also you're a, an endurance athlete, and he's a bodybuilder. Is that right? Have I got that
0: right? Is but also now running marathons too. So he oh, was back okay. from, he he was back marathon training within a week of having it.
1: Mm grumpy face on there that must have been fun at home but um we won't go into that but that is right it hits people in completely different ways at different times and I, I imagine as well also that your lungs were under a little bit of pressure through the race as well so they were probably in not in great shape to take COVID on um yeah so I think you... perhaps
0: I I delayed the recovery because of running the Commonwealth and actually finishing it but I wouldn't have changed it going back I I'm mm-hmm. glad I finished it so yeah
1: you weren't to know. Exactly. So through that period, nine weeks of not being able to run properly and obviously doubting yourself because of the performance in Birmingham and feeling disappointed, you know, how did you cope both physically and psychologically?
0: So once I actually got over like the worst of COVID, so I, I was in bed for a couple of days, so I couldn't do anything. But once I got over the worst of that, um, I took a complete break from running because I couldn't really run anyway. And I just did other things that... I really enjoyed so I went camping with my horse like just things to take my mind off it completely Um, and then after that I slowly introduced running but that didn't really go to plan either because I w- struggled for so long after um, testing negative again so as soon as I had my first negative test we tried to run but just wasn't happening so we had to really delay my comeback and do it a lot more gradual than we would have, would, would have hoped um, but it was all about listening to the body rather than sticking to a plan
1: yeah and responding day by day
0: yeah exactly
1: and did you try to do anything different with the training so were you were you trying to maintain intensity at a high level or were you keeping it easy were you incorporating walks was there what, how did you approach it
0: yeah so I, I was even struggling with easy runs so I was just it it turned out it based everything on heart rate because even like a three mile easy run at nine minute pace my heart rate was getting up around 160 so obviously that's that's not not good especially when I could normally run a marathon with my heart rate under that so (laughs) Yeah. yeah it was it's just listening to the body and we were looking at heart rate more I don't normally go on heart rate throughout a normal training block but when I was recovering from COVID, it was something that we looked at a lot because it—you c- the heart rate doesn't lie. so
1: No, quite. And it has a, a, a massive impact on the way you feel. And so did you did you start to see steady improvements in your ability to hold a pace at a lower heart rate as time went on?
0: Yeah, and I think that's where the gradual increase in mileage came. But that is why it was so delayed, because my heart rate was staying high for so many weeks post-COVID. Um And there were weeks where I felt better and there were runs where I felt better, but my heart rate was still really high. So we kind of did a combination of listening to the body and looking at the heart rate at that point and then started to increase slowly. But we were super super careful with it.
1: Yeah. And that was all easy. So no intensity at all?
0: No intensity at all. I think my first intense workout was probably about on the eighth or ninth week, maybe even later. Right. And even, even that would be compared to a normal intense workout it was a lot less volume and not as intense as a normal one
1: yeah sure start again starting generally and building back up so that must have been eight nine weeks that's the end of august no end of september
0: yeah yeah it wasn't and then but i seem to once i did the first probably two weeks of more intense workouts then i would seem to be able to increase quite quick Hmm.
1: so once you got back to form it came back quite quickly
0: yeah exactly so i think. I did Swansea 10K. I can't remember when that was, but that was on my second week of hard workouts.
1: That's right. Yeah, I remember you saying, and, and you PB'd, did you not?
0: Yeah, so that just shows <laughs> the comeback. Yeah. Um, and the time off didn't really impact me too much because, I mean, I had so much time off and then I come back and pb so
1: yeah. Well, m- maybe there's something in the in the rest that you gave your legs during that period, but obviously the heart and the lungs would have been the things that were struggling. Is that clear? Hmm. So that, that's quite a telling thing, isn't it? So another thing that tends to happen to people as they go through an injury or an illness cycle is, you know, the panic that you're going to lose fitness and your your performance level as an athlete is going to diminish and you'll never get it back because that's sometimes how it feels. And I always think when I when I'm ill, I always think, am I ever going to feel well again? And you have this doubt. And the same is true with running. So if you're injured, we're injured, we go, am I ever going to run well again? But the more we overcome it. The more times we come through something that's difficult, the more we learn, actually, it doesn't diminish, particularly for marathon runners, because you have so much long term strength and it can come back quite quickly.
0: Yeah, I think for me as well, I've had so many injuries, but I've not actually had that many injuries or illnesses where I've been to the point where I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to come back from this. And then that has been the odd couple. There was my knee injury and then my ankle injury. They're probably the only two where I was out for so long. It was like, am I actually going to come back? But COVID was one of those situations as well. When I was eight weeks post-COVID still struggling,
1: mm. I
0: was thought, am I actually ever going to be able to come back to where I used to be? Especially when you hear some of the horror stories in the media as well. Yeah. It was yeah, quite hard. But then everything seemed to just click again. I think Swansea 10K was that point where I thought, well this has come back together again this is like the start of my progressing back to where I need to be
1: yeah so that must have been a relief
0: yeah definitely and even at Swansea my heart rate was still quite high but I couldn't complain because I felt good it was PB so I knew knew that I wasn't back to full health but I was able to PB so in the right direction
1: yeah absolutely in the right direction and, you, and you've raced a couple of times since then as well haven't I mean, you've done a half marathon and the great south run over 10 miles and they've both gone okay
0: yeah so cardiff and great south yeah. i wouldn't say uh so cardiff i kind of ran it more as a race i didn't taper for it at all it was more of a training run rather than a race um it was obviously a lot slower than when i ran it in march but at the same time I think a lot of people thought I'd be disappointed because it was a lot slower, but I actually wasn't. Given the past few months that I've had, I was yeah. actually really happy with that. It was good progress in since COVID and not being able to train. So yeah, I was happy with that despite it being a lot slower.
1: Yeah, and it's also different stages of the training block, and obviously it's a slightly longer distance than t- well half twice the distance of the ten k. So you're starting to get feel the effects potentially a little bit more. But when you did Cardiff in the spring, that was, you know, towards the beginning of the training block for Commonwealth Games, I'm guessing.
0: Yeah. So again, though, back in March, I didn't use it as a race as such. It was more of a training run. So I guess in reality, it was kind of the same race, but I just wasn't as fast this time round. But it was expected. So I was happy with it.
1: Yeah, good. So psychologically, talk me through, you know, when, when you were feeling like, you wouldn't get back to where you were where you want to be and where you've been how was that for you psychologically how are you coping with that
0: Uh, so I'd finish a run and think I'm never going to get back so I just feel awful and it'd be a lot slower but then I just have this thing where I don't really give myself a choice to quit like I knew what my training was going forward so I just keep going keep doing it each day and just hope for the best so, whilst I guess I did have that negative thought in my mind, I didn't give my option. I didn't give myself the option of quitting.
1: Right. So it was just about taking control of the process, really, by doing the next day's run, the next day session, feeding that back into the system. So talking through with your coach, figuring out what you felt was the right thing to do tomorrow and the day after and the day after that, and then taking it one at a time.
0: Yeah. So I guess I was negative, but because I don't <laughs> give myself the option of quitting, then eventually if you are going to get back you're going to get back if you keep keep going at it
1: and do you do you you feel that it impacted upon you in the rest of your life did it make work life difficult did it impact on things at home were you difficult to be around
0: (laughs) probably I I mean (laughs) I'd say not but I'm sure my partner would say differently um (laughs) he's always the one saying like you're so negative, if you're going to have that attitude, then you're not going to get through that workout, or you're not going to get through that run. So I think having someone there telling me that as well, that is a massive help. He kind of understands the athlete mentality as well. So yeah, that's helpful. I think that's another reason why I don't give myself the option of quitting, because I do have that person there telling me, if I'm going to be negative, then it's not going to happen. So there's only there's one only one option. You're going to have to be positive and you're going to have to put the work in. So mm.
1: and the, you've got experience in the, in the disappointment, too, because of uh, and the layoffs. So the knee and the ankle you spoke about earlier, they, they're there, aren't they? And you come through those. So, you know, you can come through difficulties. Obviously, the illness is different, but, you know, you can come through it.
0: Yeah. And I think that was actually If anything, I kind of take the positives away from not being able to run now. So, like when I couldn't run because of COVID, that didn't mean that I couldn't do my rehab and prehab exercises for other weaknesses that I have. So, it actually probably strengthened me in areas that I sometimes neglect. But because I wasn't running, I had that time to spend prehabbing and doing some extra strength and um, extra rolling and stretching. So, Yes, I guess there's always positives of every negative situation.
1: Yeah, I love that because that's something I tell myself and others. When, when, if you can't run, if you're not feeling great and you can't run, or whatever it is, whatever reason you can't run, what can you do? And what you can do is stretch. You can roll. You can look after yourself in whatever way you feel you need to do your strength exercises, do your balance exercises, whatever it might be. Because usually, as runners, particularly runners that are full time working as well, when you're trying to get in the volume of training, you're trying to get in. So, you know, I guess twelve, fourteen hours a week of training, then you're, you know, on top of your work, you go, well, I haven't got time to do all of my stretching and my exercises and my strength, and as well as running. So now I have. So now I should do it.
0: Yeah, and I think it helps, like introduce good habits as well because I don't have time in a normal week when I'm working. And I'm doing my full amount of running mileage, but then in reality, is it just an excuse as well. Like I don't have time hmm. because I don't really enjoy doing the stretching and the rolling and everything. But then because I force myself to, after a few weeks, I actually do enjoy it. So now that I am back running, I do incorporate that into my daily routine.
1: Yeah. And it's that is about habit forming, I think. And I think if you can build it into your routine, it becomes easier. So I think you're right on that, that idea of I don't have time. Well, that's, that could be a barrier and it could well be a, a reasonable barrier for lots of people. But more likely a barrier is fatigue. So it's more likely that you're, at the end of the day, you're telling yourself, I should do my stretching. But the sofa doesn't have to look comfortable, does it? And that TV <laughs> programme is what I really need to switch off. So you just somehow, you know, that can be real. But also if you're going to change it, you need to change the habit. So perhaps instead of watching TV on the sofa, you watch for 20 minutes whilst you're sitting on the foam roller or you're stretching on the carpet, whatever it might be. And then you you give yourself the treat at the end of the day yeah, of sitting, so- up, sitting on the sofa for 10 minutes.
0: Yeah, I think recovering from COVID because I couldn't run, but I could have more time for other things. It did create those better habits, which I've been able to maintain whilst I'm now back into training. And even other things like things I enjoy doing that wouldn't have time during a normal training week, like completely non-running related. Like when I can't run, why not take that time to go and enjoy those things I can't when I am running?
1: Like going camping with a horse
0: yeah I mean it's a great distraction
1: yeah so as when you said the I last thing to myself well, how does the horse fit in the tent
0: <laughs> no I actually I camped in the horse trailer so
1: you slept in the horse trailer with the horse
0: well he had a little paddock like sectioned uh... outside the trailer but yeah I slept in the horse trailer he <laughs> he was chucked out <laughs>
1: Brilliant. I love that idea. So yeah, finding other things to do with your time, that also helps the psychology of it all, doesn't it? So it helps you realise that life is not just about running, especially for someone like you, because it is so consuming, trying to be an international athlete. You've got to think about running all the time. And, you know, we all love running, but there are times when we hate running and it's important to have something else to think about.
0: Yeah. And I think that is, it is so important because, I think a lot of runners do fall into that mindset of running is their identity. And then what happens when they can't run, like you do need that other or some sort of separation so that you can channel your energy somewhere else when you can't run.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. And that also applies to, I think that sense of identity applies to you as a runner and your times as well. So I think a lot of people become very attached to the type of runner they are from the times they deliver. And I think people don't really care that much unless you're Kipchoge or unless maybe you're you trying to um, qualify for uh, World Championships or Olympic Games or Commonwealth Games where time is very important. But for most of the rest of us, the only person that really matters to is us. So it's not really a definition of our identity.
0: Yeah. And I think that that that's kind of the story with the Cardiff um, half just gone. Like it wasn't anywhere near my PB but it was a representation of where I was at that point and I was happy with that because it was progress for where I was.
1: Exactly yeah so you were progressing from where you were in July and August where you couldn't run at all.
0: Exactly yeah so I mean I'm sure there were people out there that looked at my time compared to my PB and and compared to Cardiff previously and thought well she's got slow but in reality that is just part of being an athlete and we're all human. We're all going to have struggles at some point.
1: Yeah, exactly. And one of the things interesting about running as opposed to other sports in this context is that you, it's so, is so exposing the marathon in particular, because people are so obsessed with the time. So they know how fast a marathon should be run and what's impressive and what's not. But when you look at ball sports, for example, you know, you look at a tennis player or a footballer and you'll go, Oh, he wasn't in play very well today. Or she was a little bit off color. You know, but there could have been a dozen things under the surface that we just don't know about that are affecting that. And it could be you know, they're carrying an illness. It could be they're due on a period or they're they're having their period and that's affecting performance. And the same is true of an athlete, but it's so expected that you will conform to what people think you're going to deliver every time. But the reality isn't just, it cannot be that simple.
0: Yeah, and obviously that is always our aim to be at our optimum peak every single race. But in reality, we are... We are all human. Perhaps I shouldn't have raced, but at the same time, it's Commonwealth. So it only comes around every four years.
1: Yeah. And at the end of the day, you've raced for Wales now. You've raced in the Commonwealth Games and that can't be taken away from you. It wasn't the best day of your life in the sense that obviously you underperformed versus what you wanted to do, but there's reasons behind it. But you still managed to achieve something that is important to you.
0: Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't take that back now, even... Even the state that I was in at the a- end, yeah I wouldn't change it for the world.
1: Great and now you can take that on and you can take that into whatever it is that you you do next you know you've got that strength to push through I and mean, I think we knew that anyway based on some of your previous marathon performances that you, that you don't quit and you do push on through but now you hopefully you feel even more confident in your ability to do that and to so the next race whenever that might be, you're super ready for.
0: Yeah, hopefully that's the plan. <laughs>
1: Well, great. Well, thanks for sharing that with us. It really is. It's difficult to hear a professional athlete or an elite athlete talking about how hard it's been and how hard they find it to run. But he's also reassuring because it's so common for everybody to go through peaks and troughs. It cannot. Running doesn't isn't perfect for everybody all of the time. It does go up and it does, does go down. And we have to think about progression and, and process rather than outcomes and absolutes, I think. So thank you very much for sharing that. Thank you. Okay, there you go, you heard it. There is an element of denial in there but she pushed on through the race, even though she knew performance was going to be subpar because it was important to her. The Commonwealth Games was important to her, and to that, for that reason she put out of her mind the idea of stopping it was never a consideration so that's the first thing that we can see from that conversation the second thing is the nature of underperformance and I sort of talked about that a little bit that when people underperform against their own expectations in a a race it is very rarely because I ran shit Or even worse, or it's never actually, that I am shit. It's never never that. There's always something behind it. There's always a reason. And that's what we're looking for. We're not making excuses. We're looking for reasons. So that we can build as we go forwards. And there'll always be something physiological or psychological. And once we can identify it then we can do something about it but it's only by recognising it that we can do something about it third thing that we can take from that conversation I think is about habits and distractions maybe they're not the same thing but it's about doing something different so not focusing all of your energies around running so that you can move your self-worth on from being tied to your running There's more to you In your marathon time, but it's also about building those habits that can help you in the future. And remember that something we talked about before around habits in an old recovery ramble somewhere is that habits form from triggers. So you do something, and then that leads to something else. It's like when I put my trainers on, my dog, Coco, thinks that means she's going to go for a run. Sometimes that's true and sometimes it's not, but it's a habit that she's formed. And we're the same, people are the same. So if you can create those habits in the times when you can't run, those habits around stretching, and strength and conditioning, based off triggers. So it could be when I sit down and watch TV, I'll stretch for 10 minutes beforehand, or whatever it is, form the trigger, form the habit you do that now while you're struggling you've got a better chance of carrying on again when you get back to full fitness and running. And then the fourth point is that recovery and about being patient through that. Something I rattle on about all the time. What was interesting for me in there was how Natasha framed it as not a choice. It's not a choice to not exercise. It's not a choice to take things slowly. And choice is something that Josh talks about too. You know, you said earlier that you were never going to stop. It never even crossed your mind to stop. No. If you can eliminate the choice, then you don't even think about it. And we'll hear a lot more about that and other things relating to Josh next time in our four-part mini-series. But in the meantime, I hope you enjoyed today's recording. I hope you're looking after yourself. And until the next time, please take care.